Welcome, welcome. It is time for another edition of the Shared Interest Podcast. I am Tommy. I will be your host. I believe this might be Shared Interest Podcast number eight. Even if that's not correct, what is correct is today is part three of the huge NFL 2016 season preview series. I think there will end up being four of these altogether, which is the perfect number, if you didn't know. But before we can get to four, we have to get to three. And before we can get to three, we need to recap one and two. Previously on the uh, Sheridan's Podcast 2016 NFL Preview, we welcome Tony. Tony is a Broncos fan, and Tony predicted the Broncos to win the Super Bowl again this year. Tony was full of laughs, though. He felt that the Cleveland Browns could go 8-8 eight and eight on the season. Then, we welcomed Greg. Greg was the second episode of the NFL Preview Podcast here on the Shared Interest Podcast. Greg told us he expected the Arizona Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. That's right. The team from the Arizona is not even a state. <laughs> I don't know. But Greg wasn't done. Greg also expected the Atlanta Falcons to show up big this year, perhaps win that NFC South. All that because he thinks Cam Newton is a jackass. Oh, boy. It's been quite a show here at the Sheridan Podcast. Thank you, Pitchman. That was very well done, I think. So, adding on to the legacy, I will now welcome my friend, Eli. He knows a thing or two. He's got a thing or two to say. I'm happy to be a part of it. I want to start right away by asking, tell me something that's a lock to happen, something that you are certain will occur this coming season. The Jacksonville Jaguars will make the playoffs. Woo! Now you're the second Jags fan. Tell me your angle on this. Why are the Jags so good? I'm not actually a Jags fan, but I've been researching. So I've been looking at you know total players and looking at the scheme and, and uh, what they've done last year and assuming progression. Allen Robinson is, but he's long, he's rangy, he can definitely catch anything that's thrown in his direction. So I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I like Alan Hearns. It sucks what happened with Blackman because if they have Blackman, they have three legit receivers. Sure. Um, but I think Blake Bortles, I mean, I, I liken Blake Bortles a lot to Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. He, uh, okay. they're, they're very, they're, very, they're big. They're both about the same size, 6'5-ish. Um, they both are, you know, not just 6'5 and thin. They're, they're built. Um, they, they're somewhat mobile. They're sneaky mobile is what I'd like to call it. But um, more so than all that, I like their, their running back core. They brought in Chris Ivory. I thought Yeldon was going to take over that role. So bringing in Ivory was kind of, uh, at first, I, I didn't like it or I didn't understand it. But now it kind of makes sense because he, in today's NFL, you and I both know you need more than one running back. Yeah. And they complement each other. They don't both really do the same kind of things. Um, Ivory's probably considered a goal line back if he holds onto the ball. Uh, he's got the more experience. But Yeldon, they both can catch the ball the backfield. They got Julius Thomas, too, still. So, I mean, Bortles, if Bortles doesn't fit it all together again this year, um, there might be something wrong with Bortles because they got him the weapon. Uh, he, he definitely, I mean, we just throw like 35 touchdowns, I think, last year, over 4,000 yards. 35 is the yeah, exact number. Second-year guy. And uh, here's why. You know, I mean, their offense has improved, but not as improved as their defense. And when you can remember who their coach is, Gus Bradley, He's the foundation of the Legion of Boom. Yeah, that whole scheme was his idea. 
why he, you know, they did well. They won the Super Bowl. He got the job in Jacksonville. So I think now that he has some more uh, talent on that side of the ball, we're going to see Jacksonville's defense step up quite a bit. I'll predict a nine and seven. Actually, I'll go ten and six. At least nine and seven. But I think they'll sneak in there as a wild card at ten and six. Um, and then actually, you know what? Another thing, I don't think Indy's going to be that good. I don't either. Let me let me take these in in rapid succession. For me, I'm not sure that I think that Ben Roethlisberger is the comp for Blake Bortles. I think of Bortles more as a Brett Favre type of clone. I think he's more the size of Favre. I don't think he's he doesn't quite have the physical stature. He's a big fucking guy, but he doesn't quite have the big Ben stature. I, I see him in that same gunslinger mode, somebody who's prone to making a lot of mistakes, but also prone to making a lot of big plays. I think there's a lot of bad analysis out there that says that Blake Bortles is the product of garbage time. That's not true. That's not what's on the film. Blake Bortles is the product of a guy with a big arm who's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. His yards per attempt probably doesn't line up with that quite yet, but I expect that to spike. The other thing is my previous guest, Greg, who was on the show, talked also in depth about some of those defensive picks that they had made. And apparently, in his opinion, the problem was that they hadn't been able to stay healthy. If that defense can stay healthy, uh, I'm huge into the Jags and also the Titans. I think the Titans are potentially right there at the cusp as well. I love your take that the Colts are no good because I agree with that completely. Maybe it doesn't seem as bold to me, but I think to the average listener, the idea that the Jags should be the clear favorite in that division over the Texans and over the Colts, I don't think everyone in the general population is there yet, but they should be. Speaking of the general population, the second question that I want to bounce off you is give me a conventional wisdom that's just completely wrong. It's a very vague question, but I'm going to take it from, from this. Everybody's going to, to receiver sets, right? Everybody wants to, like, for instance, the Colts. The Colts are going to play a three-receiver uh, three set as their base package. And I understand why everyone's doing it because it's the new trend, right? Well, I think when everyone else is digging, you have to zag. So I think we're going to see a lot more rushing this year. A good example of this is when – when everybody was running the ball, what did Bill Belichick do? He threw he signed, it. He threw, he threw it. He got two big tight ends to throw to, and he's running two two tight end sets. Now everyone's doing two tight ends or three three receiver sets uh, to win football games. You got to still rush the ball in December, and I think people are going to gear up for that. You don't necessarily have to have Ladanian Tomlinson in order to establish a consistent running game. You can split the workload, and this whole you know by committee. In a fantasy sense, the committee backfield is is dangerous because you can't rely on one guy to get stats. But from an NFL trying to win games perspective, if you have two capable backs or potentially three capable backs, that's a huge advantage. And I, I think that's a really sharp point. I think that perhaps we will see exactly that. It makes a lot of sense because if you also think about the running back position, I mean, it's essentially every time they touch the ball, they get into a car accident. Right, they got <laughs> it is a violent got, game. You got two hundred fifty pound men who are running four four forties and running you down. Meanwhile, you know a lineman's still hanging onto your ankle and you're just getting smashed and pick piled on. Well, obviously that's why we're seeing all these concussions later in life take their toll in their body. They can't walk, multiple knee surgeries, back surgeries. It's because they do get in a car accident every Sunday. 
So if you have a couple bodies rotating in there, you're going to increase the probability that those running backs will be available later in the season when it really matters. Yeah, it's you know what's really intriguing about that to me is that even though it's been a pass-happy league, the Super Bowl champions have been the Denver Broncos, who had a frail-ass Peyton Manning and couldn't really throw the ball, the New England Patriots, who they have Tom Brady, but the identity of that team was not the 2007 Patriots, the aerial fireworks show prior to that the seattle seahawks whose identity was not passing the ball and they throttled the broncos in that super bowl so despite the fact that the league has moved in this pass happy direction it seems as though the teams that win the most have consistently focused on having a solid defense so let's go ahead while we're talking about super bowl champions and how this season will progress i'm going to put you on the spot right now Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Wow. I wish we were having this conversation in a couple of weeks. Uh, just a quick side note. Play in this uh, ball prediction pool. You pick all the division winners, the wild card winners, the eventual Super Bowl winners. So it does things like which quarterbacks going to lead the league in passing yards, touchdowns, which receivers, so on and so forth. It goes like it's a hundred question self spreadsheet that we work off of. Last year, out of, uh, I think it was 15 entries, I won. So I'm just going to pat myself on the back right there. Thank you for that victory lap. I, lo- I love the fact that you Thanks. guys are working off a hundred row spreadsheet to do some type of yeah. degenerate gambling because predictions are fucking fun and I love being correct. Nothing makes me happier than being right. Exactly. Nothing. But having said all that, I haven't even looked at it. Oh, don't hedge on me. Don't you hedge on me, Eli. Get your fucking, put your name on it, son. Put a name on it. All right. Well, two weeks from now, it may change. But as of right now, what I see going on out there, hold on. I got to look at the. uh, I hope you're going to say, I got to look at Giselle Bunchin naked real quick, and then I'm going to make my pick. Oh, that'd be so (laughs) awesome. So, uh, I mean, if I had to off the cuff, you do. Uh, you a, have to off the cuff. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes the podcast entertaining. There's at least okay, 35 cool. people listening to this. All right. I'm going with Arizona. Woo! Another bird. So, there, again, there's no way you could have known this, but you are now the second of three. Well, if you count me, there's four predictions out there on the table. It's one for the Patriots, two for the Birds, and one for the Broncos. Broncos? <laughs> no, he's a homer. What do you? What do you? Yeah, he's a, he's a lifelong Bronco fan. What do you want him to say? You know what? You're the first person who I've heard really say that the Bengals could number one win a playoff game. I don't think anyone would be surprised by the Bengals making the playoffs. I think everyone would be surprised if they got to an AFC Championship game. Talk up the Bengals for me. I would say that what I like about them is their defense. Their defense is solid. They they really are. They have a top five defense, in my opinion. I, I like uh, what's his name up front, the uh, the tackle. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but Big Daddy Dan Wilkerson. No, just kidding. That was back. <laughs> that was back in the Akili Smith failed number one picks era. Oh, uh, that was so so bad. You know, he actually he got drafted as a baseball player. Akili Smith did. I did not know that. I know yeah. that Russell Wilson he- plays for the Rangers in spring training. I've seen that. I never, I never knew that either. I uh, so this morning, I'm sure you woke up to the same news that Tim Tebow thinks he's a baseball player now. I did see some tweets on that. Yeah, yeah, that was that's ridiculous. But um, I uh, so someone tweeted out something along the lines of like, 
he's the 15th person to have a, a baseball reference page and be a professional football player or previous. And Achilles Smith was on that list, man. He was on that list. I have never heard that before in my whole life. And he went to Oregon. Do, do we know if he played collegiately at Oregon? Yeah, this is going to spell the podcast, so we'll do it later. But yeah, he, he was, he has a baseball reference page. Um, but uh, back to the, the question at hand, what I do like about Cincinnati. Geno Atkins, by the way, while we're jumping back in, Geno Atkins you. is the, uh, Geno Atkins is going to be the answer to that question. He's a beast. He's, he's so yoked. He doesn't look like, he's not like built like Ted Washington or Vince Wilford. He's no, like, he's a pass rusher more than a run stopper. He's a for professional sure. wrestler. He could, he could go to the, up to the WWE. RKO out of nowhere. RKO out of nowhere. It's Geno Atkins off the top rope. I don't know why all of my, um, my voice impressions end up sounding like Alex Jones. Sure. Geno Atkins is putting fluoride in my water, and it's all a top secret cabal. They've been going after the Bilderberg. Geno Atkins, everyone. For anyone who doesn't know who Alex Jones is, no one knows what that just was. Hey, that that could be a uh, a cartoon sports personality voice, like a talking head. I can hear it. I can hear it right now. I would never be able to do it because I would always be talking about the New World Order (laughs) every time. (laughs) It would always be some wild conspiracy theory. And that's why they never put us on the moon. They're all trying to fool you. Uh, It's the New World Order. It's all about globalization. Yeah, um, The idea that we can communicate across the entire planet, (laughs) maybe that's not a conspiracy. Maybe that's a cool thing, but... I don't want to hit that political third rail. There's no way I want to take us into a presidential election or any type of that oh, shit. Oh, definitely not. Put, put, put. All right, let me steer this thing back onto the football road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about Brock Osweiler going to Houston? Maybe that's okay. a terrible question. No, it's not. That's a great question. Actually, I'm glad you asked it because you mentioned when we had our MFL draft uh, when I was in Alaska a few weeks ago, you made mention how I, I drafted Brock as my second quarterback, and you loved it. You said something along the lines of you think he'll be a top 12 uh, QB by the end I of the do. year for fantasy purposes. Yeah, um, I like Brock. I do. I think Brock was held back, and I think Brock is playing with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's really, really pissed off that they what were paid it in the playoffs, even though Brock did just as good, if not better, to get him there. Yep. And uh, he understands the politics of it. And he, you know, he kept his mouth shut at the time. But I also think that's exactly why he spurned them in the offseason. He was like, well, you guys didn't want me when we were, you know, I got us there. And you wouldn't let me play in the playoffs. So he took a comparable deal uh, to go to Houston. So if, if Denver really wanted them, they could have they ponied up. But um, if, it, if it's all even, I would have left town too. Screw those guys. Not to mention, Houston has a, a really good offense. Really, really good offense. I think it's underrated. Everybody knows who DeAndre is. DeAndre is going to get his. He he got, what, 1,500 yards with four different quarterbacks last year. I think that Will Fuller is the real deal. I think Jalen Strong takes a huge step. And Lamar Miller was an excellent signing. I think he's going to be a top-five running back without a doubt. He'll get plenty of touches this year. So I think Brock has a good cast around him. And I think Brock's smart enough to, to learn the playbook. Uh, he might start off slow, but by the end of the year, I think they'll have a mm, – yeah, they'll be the top half uh, of offenses. The show that really turned me on to Brock Osweiler was Gruden's football camp. So for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know, John Gruden has an ESPN thing, or if, if you're more like me, he has a YouTube thing that you can watch on demand whenever you feel like it. Just search Gruden QB camp. 
And of all the guys who have come through that QB camp and Gruden essentially interviews the top quarterbacks in any given draft class. And he's been doing this for five or six years now. So there's a great portfolio out there on how quarterbacks approach the game. And it's, it's a real X and O session. It's not exactly entertainment television. It's very football centric. It's very enjoyable for me to watch. And of all the guys who left a lasting impression, Russ Wilson, number one, coming out of Wisconsin and his interview with Gruden and how he approached the chalkboard, how he approached the field drills that left a lasting impression. I was not very surprised when Russ Wilson became next to Brady, the the premier quarterback in the league and all due respect to Aaron Rodgers. Let me take a quick detour to insult Andrew Luck. No respect to Andrew <laughs> Luck. You're the most overrated piece of shit of all time. You might be a swell fella. You went to Stanford. So I assume that your SATs, and your GPAs were all very good. But as far as being overhyped, it's not really Andrew's fault. It's more of the media's fault that he's had this mm. reputation built around him. Detour done, back on the main road. Next to Russ Wilson, the quarterback who left the most lasting impression with me was Brock Osweiler. His competitiveness, his pure understanding of the game, his ability to diagram plays, his abilities to recognize defenses. And also, he's not one of these guys who's been thrown into it, if you will, he's much more of that classic late 80s, early 90s, maybe even mid 90s quarterback where he got to learn in a system. He got to go to practice without any pressure of ever actually being the guy. This might be a little edgy. I can't remember his name. I'm sure you'll be able to off the top of your head. The last guy who I remember coming through that was the Titans quarterback who got killed by his thank you it really didn't take many clues to dial that in that's right steve air mcnair in my mind he was the last one to kind of come from that he's a clipboard studier he comes into the role it's not thrust upon him rather he learns the nfl he sees from the veterans how to practice which you know for the casual fan when you're just watching the games on sunday if you really want to get in and break it down what happens on Monday through Saturday is way, way more important mm-hmm. than what happens on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sunday, there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of bounces and rolls. But the preparation and the way that you know the coaching staffs approach it, long diatribe aside, Osweiler just left me with such an impression coming out of that Gruden's QB camp. I would be shocked if he was anything other than spectacular. So Mm -hmm. that's a really good Osweiler segment. Let me close that and open up another segment. I gave my buddy Greg on the second episode this opportunity, and I love the direction he took it in. So I want to ask you now, open floor, NFL 2016, would you like to talk shit about any team, any situation, any aspect of the upcoming season? Talk a little shit, bud? Sure. Uh, You know I can. How the fuck is Tom Brady? <laughs> he suspended for four games with what evidence? What evidence do they have that he knew anything? And that's for the record. I, if anything was happening, which I'm not sure, but if there was, Tom knew about it. He didn't say, hey, I want this to be 11.5. He didn't say any of that shit. But if it was, if he probably said something like, 
hey, uh, you know, this football is too hard. I'd like it soccer next time. That's probably what he said. He didn't, like, organize this conspiracy to have ball boys go to the bathroom to let pressure out of it before the game. It seems right. a little far-fetched, yeah. doesn't it? It, it seems kind of out there. And then, and then what's the evidence they have? They, uh, the refs put the balls in at halftime to measure them with two different measuring, uh, whatever they're called, measuring devices. And they came up with different readings each time. And they didn't even record it. And they went in and they did this investigation and they went back to those reps and said, hey, do you remember what that was? So, yeah, I think that one was uh, 11.2. That was 11.7. And they didn't record it. They didn't know. It's, the whole thing is just... Wait, I got to stop you. I got to stop you right there because I can't have someone on my podcast insult the integrity of the NFL officials. I have personally <laughs> seen Mike Pierre and Mike Carey on Sunday broadcasts and these are among oh, yeah. the the greatest minds of our time. They never get those right. They always like, oh yeah, I think that was a catch. And then the, after review, yeah. <laughs> the ball was an incompletion. Yeah, these are not uh, exactly guys who've been filling out Mensa applications. Yeah. So the idea that they've memorized PSI settings, what's really funny it's is amazing. when I opened up the floor for my buddy to talk shit, my other buddy Greg, he went immediately for Goodell's throat as well. So I got a oh, standing applause to both of you for going right yeah. after the commissioner. He's trying, I mean, he is trying to ruin the game. He's not trying to ruin the game for the owners. He's ruining the game for the fans, and I don't appreciate it. I, I know what's going on, and if you allow me to vent, I will. Please, I the floor feeling, is yours, sir. So I have a feeling that this whole thing stems from our, our dynasty that we had in the early 2000s. We were winning, we were winning, no other team was winning. Everyone was sick of seeing us there, so they're like, we need some, we need some dirt on the Patriots. How can we blow them up? They came up with the Spygate thing, which I'm not saying that we weren't recording shit. I'm saying that it wasn't a benefit, and I don't think that it, it, it was illegally. Like, we didn't take the, the walkthrough. I don't think we were doing that the day of the Super Bowl. I think maybe a, a week before, we had people in the stands videotaping signals and whatnot. That I would believe. But I also believe that if you're intelligent, just like beta, and when there's a runner on second base, you think the catcher changes the signals from what they originally were? They always do. you got to change it from week to week. If you're not changing from week to week, you deserve to lose the game. So having said that, you know, I'll breeze over that. People can give them credit that Spygate was legit. Now we keep winning despite the fact that they took away our first-round draft pick and despite the fact that, they, you know, they, they're trying to put us under a microscope for future whatever. Why are we being the bad guy? So then we continue to win anyway. Well, the other owners are like, hey, Roger, what the fuck, man? They keep winning. How come they keep winning? It's supposed to be a league of parity. How are we supposed to get our fan bases you know, into this? And, and the whole thing is based upon money because every time, like, let's say that the Cleveland Browns win the, the Super Bowl, right? Let's not say that. Let's let's never go anywhere near that, actually. Well, pick, pick Jacksonville Jaguars, pick Arizona Cardinals. Pick a team that's never won the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden you win that Super Bowl. What do you think happens to the, the sales of all the merchandise? They go down. They go down because America <laughs> is not a front-running country. We are someone who likes an yeah. underdog. Well, listen, if it was the Patriots winning for their sixth Super Bowl or whatever, sixth Super Bowl, what, is that going to make more money than... Okay. I got to... Uh, all right, all right. And it's, it's amazing how similar that some of these answers are now here on the third edition of the NFL preview podcast, uh, something seemed to be trending. There's a pattern here. 
the conspiracy against the Patriots, as much as I love the Patriots and have since I was a child, I gotta tell you all that I think you're crazy. I think you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> the NFL ownership are 32 individuals for the most part. I believe there's a couple of teams that are owned by corporations or conglomerates. But the idea that you could get 31 of those entities to unify behind an anti-Patriots conspiracy is just patently insane. There's no way that's what's happening. I, I would say that Roger Goodell has used the pulpit that he has to increase the NFL's presence in the media. And to your point that, you know what, hey, if it means that the Patriots don't win a Super Bowl, that's no skin off our nose. But they're not actively trying to keep the Patriots down. I, I don't think that's what's happening. I do think that it's great for the league to have these go-to media stories. I doubt that they anticipated that it would potentially get to a U.S. appellate court. I'm not sure that their forecast had that particular expense in there. But the NFL is a license to print money, okay? No one's going to tune out the games because the commissioner's a bag of shit. No one's going to stop watching. It is America's pastime. It has superseded anything that the other sports could possibly do with the, the potential exception of the NBA. The NBA is 1B, if you will, but more accurately, it's probably 2. It's a 1-2 thing with baseball. Who gives a fuck about hockey? Um, no one gives a shit about soccer. So the NFL has this license to print money for as long as they can push the brain injury and suicidal post-playing career players aside. As long as they can keep all of that liability at bay, they just get to ring that cash register. So I, I severely doubt that 31 disparate ownership groups have unified behind the theory that they have to take the Patriots down. It's convenient to have a villain. It keeps the league in the headlines during the off season to repeat what I just said. They probably could have done without the expense of a U.S. appellate court hearing, but uh, push comes to shove. No big deal. No skin off their neck. Let me turn the page now and ask open field NFL MVP 2016, who's going to light it up? Oh, man. Good question, bud. Good question. All right. So it, let's not call it the MVP. Let's call it the, uh, let's call it the QB of the year award. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? Good point. You know what? I really appreciate that. Let me retract the question. And I don't want to phrase it now as an MVP that the AP or the media people vote on. How about who's going to be the best player in the league? Hey, I it's hard to, to knock Antonio Brown for anything at this point. I'm sure the magic's going to end at some time. I mean, he's been incredibly durable. He takes a lot of hits. He sees the ball more than any player in the league. It's hard to root against him or bet against him. But sometime in the next few years, and I'll probably keep saying it every year until it happens, he's going to get hurt. He's going to slow down. Uh, but at this point, there's no reason to, to knock that guy for anything. He's unbelievable how quick he is, and his hands are just its unreal. So I would go Antonio Brown. Uh, to answer your previous question, I would take Aaron Rodgers as the uh, MVP. Oh, it's, I really appreciate that nuance that you put on there because the, the, the media and the MVP voters almost universally select a quarterback. Final thoughts. Wrap it up for us. As far as this season, I could not be more excited. I am. I mean, we all are, right? We're, if you listen to this, we're all football fans, and it's. 
I don't know about you, Tom, but every single football season, the season makes my life go by quicker. Thursday night, I got Thursday night games. There's college on Saturday, which I don't really get into, but Sunday near the end of the season, Saturday night games. Sunday is all day. Like I have a friend who invited me up to go to a Rams uh, Dolphins game in LA. Oh, that's he wanted right. to come up to see it. And I wanted to go see it. You know, obviously it'd be cool to see like a game in the inaugural season. I think they're playing at the Coliseum or whatever. Yes, they're playing at the Coliseum. And I'm like, I'm like, what time's the what time's the game? And he's like, he's like four PM or one PM here. I'm like, okay, so the Patriots play at 10 a.m. Then how's that going to work? He's like, well, we're going to miss part of the game. You have a good time. Wrong. We're not going to miss any of the Patriots game. No, that's an incorrect I don't miss answer. A of that. Yeah. And it, it, that's the thing too, though. Why would you go see an NFL game these days? It's much more comfortable to sit on your couch in front of your flat screen. You got plenty of beer in the fridge that's better and cheaper than you get at the stadium. Thank you very much for making the time to come on and helping the Shared Interest Podcast NFL 2016 preview. Look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. You know, buddy, I'm here. You have the number. 